everybody. Welcome to a special midweek episode of the Voxology Podcast. We have a very special guest today, live from California, Mark Baker, the author of Centered Set Church. Uh, for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, we did a whole series on his book, um, just pillaging and stealing um, just without shame and uh, of the content therein. Uh, it is a book we highly recommend, and we're thrilled to have Mark on to kind of answer some questions that have remained and come in um, to us from the community. And so, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. And um, yeah, thanks for engaging this topic so thoroughly and with such passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It reminds me of when I was in sixth grade and I went to a basketball camp and literally the only thing positive they could say about my basketball skills was I was passionate. <laughs> so I received that hopefully in a different way. Anyway, Mark, man, we have so enjoyed going through your book. Um, tell us when it came out. So it just came out, um, yeah, December. I mean, it came off the press and officially launched in January. So oh. December twenty one, um, yeah, caught up, got caught up in some supply chain delays. It was supposed to come out in November, but uh, January twenty twenty two. Fantastic. And what's the what's the response been? Um, yeah, positive. I I mean, I've both. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've both had the experience of some like former students who, in a certain sense, I thought, well, they don't even need to read this book. Like I'm still learning from them who have been very appreciative. And that was encouraging that feel like, oh, there's more to learn and they're learning it. Um, but then especially, yeah, as with I mean, a, a neat thing about writing a book is um, or for you doing a podcast is, you know, you, you come in contact with people that aren't in your circles. And so yeah. to have, um, for instance, a, a, a PhD student in missiology at Trinity, which is mm. where Paul Hebert taught for many years, you know, get in touch with me and tell me how excited he was about it. Yeah. That, that, um, very cool. good. So, um, awesome. good, but we're hoping, um, yeah, please everyone listening, spread the word. Um, we need um, more churches to be seeking to be more centered. So yeah, boy, no, no question. And the feedback from our community, Mark, was overwhelming. So many questions. We had to do another midweek episode just to deal with like seven or eight of them. We've got a whole bunch today, and we're very grateful that you'd come on and and talk about this. Some of these questions are really, really excellent, and um, I'm glad you're here as backup. So. Um, it, and we also want to encourage you, Mark, you had mentioned that you had recorded um, four, was it four 15-minute videos? Five 15-minute videos. Where, introducing this content, where can you people find those? Yeah, so if you let me, if, if, um, if I could talk just for, you know, three or four minutes about the book and why the book, and yeah. then I'll say, do the same about the videos, because... Um, you know, if you Google bounded church, centered church, like there are numerous, um, you know, blogs, sermons, chapters and books. So there's lots of people doing the descriptions. Um, and, and I was in that. I've, I've taught this now since I first ran into it, read, read the thing by Paul Hebert. I've taught it for you know over 20 years in my classes. 
but the descriptions. And regularly in my classes, my students, they would, they would get excited about it. And then they'd say, um, okay, Mark, but uh, you know, what do you do if, mm-hmm. or, you know, how about church membership? And I'd be up in the front of the class and I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't done it. And, and there, but there was nothing I could point them to because everything mm-hmm. out there is just the descriptions. So finally I said, okay, I I will, I'll take on, you know, this challenge, I'll do the resource. And, and so, yeah, so one thing I want to highlight about the book and even my being with you. So on one hand, yeah, I'm the author of the book and I have been thinking about this for a long time. On the other hand, the book is things that I have learned from practitioners. So Mm. I'm a communicator of wisdom and experiences more than I am the guru on how to do this. Um, so that, uh, that's the book. And so the, the book is both a book by and for practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of my thesis about this is, um, w- w- which I'm sure you would concur with is this is not something one can do alone. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm a small group leader, you, you can't just read my book and then say, okay, we're going to do small group right. in a centered way. If the people in the group aren't, aren't aren't with you, it's not going to be centered. Um, Or if you're the pastor of a church, you can say, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be centered. I've read the book. But if the people in the church are all fuzzy and don't even know what centered is, you can't do it alone. Or yeah, if they're all bounded, you can, the the pastor can preach all the, you know, centered sermons that he or she wants, but the people in the community are going to undermine it with their bounded ways. So, what um yeah so obviously i i would love everyone to read the book but realistically not everyone is going to read the book mm-hmm. so when i was making the book i thought i also want to have um another tool that leaders can use to introduce people in their communities to the basics of bounded centered and fuzzy um so it's not a um it's not an audio it's not a video version of the book it's based basically on the first three, ch- three chapters, but um, it is, uh, yeah, so five videos, 15 minutes each, um, aimed at use for groups as a discussion uh, guide. And it is, um, yeah, actually just, just became available last week and it's Boom. available um, through centeredsetchurch.com. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> look at you go. That'll, that'll work. Actually, I think that's fantastic because it's not just like I can imagine someone reading the book and being fired up and then trying to convey the concepts of the book to other people and them just going, I have no idea what this means or and I'm not going to read the book. And so I think that's a very great idea. All right. Are you ready, Mark, for questions? All right. And and we're here as backup. I mean, we're not you know, we're not experts on this, but we can at least um, we can at least play around. All right. <laughs> hi, hi, Tim and Mike. Uh, I have a question about your Unity series that I don't think has been quite answered. In your Let's Play Soccer analogy, you have described what to do about people who want to play soccer in a rigorous, bounded way. The people who want to do any number of things along with soccer and not call the play date anything specific. The people who want to play rugby instead. 
but you have not addressed the people who show up, quote, to play soccer, and they insist that they are playing soccer, and they are using some soccer words and concepts, but this thing that they're playing isn't soccer. It just isn't. So what now? This would apply in a church context, both to people who practice greed and power grabs and racism and all the rest, and to people who think Jesus's resurrection might be more metaphorical than literal, or that scripture doesn't have authority to call us to certain standards. Um, how does one practice center set in that scenario when it feels like you need some kind of boundedness, some clear definition about what is and is not soccer? Hmm. So I thought that was a, a fantastic question. Yeah, great depth of thought. Um, yes. Our going, audience is uh, really the most intelligent podcast audience out there. I want you to know go, that, Mr. Vicker. That's why, <laughs> that's why you're here. Okay, Going with my analogy uh, way beyond where, um, yeah, I'd ever thought about it. Um, uh, you know, my, my, and honestly, this is my initial response to that is great question. And the whole book is trying to answer that question. Um, so, yeah, so to back up and think, okay, why do I use that soccer analogy? The, the purpose of the soccer analogy is not to capture, this will show us how to do centered church. It, it was to make the point to help people imagine, um, let, me, let me back up a second. I think um, there's such yeah negative response to bounded judgmentalism that then there can be the tendency to think that a centered approach would be yeah well of course everyone's in and so I want to underscore no it's you know radically uh, welcoming mm -hmm. but not universal inclusion not 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 everyone's in so the soccer analogy is just to help people imagine, you know, hey, if you're playing soccer and someone's using your hands all the time, at some point you're gonna say, hey, you know, that like that's not soccer. If you wanna play soccer, don't use your hands. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure that I'll, I, I would, I try to answer the question by working with the soccer analogy, but I, but I take the person, I mean, the way they ask mm -hmm. the question through the analogy is great. And, um, but then I would so, say, yeah, like that is that is not just one, two, three, do this. That's like, well, first of all, so as a centered community, yeah, you have to do the work of defining your center. And mm -hmm. so if there are people in the community that, barring the words of the person asked the question, you know, say they're playing soccer and they're not really, mm -hmm. um, well, have, have they... So has the community identified a center? Um, and if they haven't, then it sounds like, yeah, you need to do some work to identify what we're about here. And I guess that's sort of too. I mean, in the soccer sense, you know, the, the, the rules of the game are set and that's agreed upon, you know, fairly universally. So in a similar sense, it kind of points to the reality that, yeah, in, in a centered church, if you're gonna be centered, there does need to be agreement on what the center is um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that's that's needed as it's needed in soccer it's also needed in the church um, and then yeah the the other thing that yeah came to mind just as you're reading the question was um, 
Yeah, I mean, the lengthy uh, discussion you two have already had on, you know, loving intervention. So what do you do in those situations? Um, yeah, that calls for loving intervention. And um, yeah, I mean, so just as a, you know, one little thing I could share from the book um, was, I mean, I have a few examples of this be, because, yeah, and, and, and also I think um, one one thing when, yeah, when you started with the, uh, you know, the church discipline example, I think at least my mind tends to go to moral, um, moral shortcomings, that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. but when we're, you know, with this question, this person's pointing, pointing to, yeah, this is a lot broader than just um, a moral failure or something. And so, right. for instance, you know, what you're a small group leader and someone is, you know, making some comment in the middle of the Bible study that is just, you know, way off of your church's community's interpretation of the Bible, who Jesus is, etc. What do you do? Um, so, you know, a fuzzy group is, is not going to do anything because that would make the person feel uncomfortable and abounded. Um, and, and you need the tone of voice for this, right? But I mean, abounded mm-hmm. would be, we don't believe that here right in the sense yeah. that lets the person know you are not here mm-hmm. whereas um and again this isn't me this i'm learning from someone else so someone i talked to who who told me of a, uh, a situation like this and so he said um yeah could you tell me more uh you know how do you see that in jesus so he asks a question mm-hmm. um let's let's explore that or yeah or even just tell tell me more about that um or maybe after the meeting um could you yeah tell me more now and parenthetically the person that told me this story he said getting back to what i said about the videos when he said um yeah could you tell me more how you see that he said the rest of the group became uncomfortable because they're more fuzzy and they mm. They didn't like that he was asking this question. So again, you know, you need need the group to be with you. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what Tim and Mike, how you respond to that? But but really, go back to what I said. I think yeah, in one sense, the whole book is trying to answer that question because it's not just one thing you do. It's a whole collection of defining the center. Um, making sure that the God at the center is the God revealed by Jesus and not a bounded God or a fuzzy God. And then as leaders having characters of Jesus, of, you know, compassion, curiosity, safety, trust, um, working at loving intervention. Um, so yeah, so I could go on in that, but um, yeah, I'll stop. No, I think it's a, it's, it's a good point to say, with the soccer example, um, the rules of soccer universally agreed upon. Um, in the the church example, the center's not. I mean, that's precisely the the question that's being asked: is yeah. what is the center? And so mm-hmm. you can define it along Christian nationalist terms. You can define it along white supremacist terms. You can, I mean, all sorts of Jesuses can be at the center. And so part of your book 
part of what we tried to do in channeling your book was to say, okay, who is it that we're talking about here at the center? So that we have a frame of reference with which to, to go to people and say, hey, that's really actually not soccer. I don't know what you're doing, but and I, I know you're using soccer language, but that's actually not soccer. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to do that at least at some point to others. Tim, do you have thoughts? No, I was thinking about all that through the line of um, when you mentioned being a, a, a center-focused pastor in a church full of bounded-minded mm. congregants and what that looks like through this question as well. And I imagine that's got to be like steering a really large like freight <laughs> ship. You know what I mean? Like it's just a, that's a wide turn. And I think people are always looking for how do you, how do you make the sharpest turn possible to refocus or reset your congregation. But when you're dealing with that many different human beings with their own personal stories and understandings, I imagine that's gotta be a pretty wide turn to bring everybody. Oh my goodness. To, to center an entire ship like that. And I don't know that you ever stop. That, I think that's some part of it too, right? You're kind of, as the captain of the ship, you're kind of signing on for a, a decent journey. <laughs> and all we right. all know how much luck the freight ships have been having lately, so <laughs> you can imagine. You just yeah. take them through the Suez Canal, baby. They're fine. <laughs> They're all just sitting in the bay in San Francisco. Um, oh, that too. All right, great. This is question number two. I attend a church that has overtly reorganized itself as center set. A lot of energy has been invested in this, but leaders insist on maintaining the boundary of only male elders. I'm a woman who has invested deeply and patiently for 20 years in this community, focusing on discipling around Jesus's ethic. I'm regularly affirmed for this, but honestly, I'm losing hope that the leadership culture will ever change. I don't understand why avidly center-set men can cling so firmly to, to male-only leadership and can feel so little discomfort in a very white space with little diversity. It just doesn't seem like it bothers them as even as they preach the uh, center set. I, I keep hoping there'll be time on the agenda to address these issues, but they never quite make it to the priority <laughs> list. Maybe you're done talking about the center set approach, but I'd love to hear how you address how it should impact our culture in terms of addressing whiteness and male dominant leadership if you're still addressing this topic. Boom. Oh, we Boom. are addressing our t uh, this topic, <laughs> dear listener. Yes. So what do you think? So, yeah, I, 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 my, my thoughts go in different directions. So, um, let me see. Yeah, it's, it's, um, so first of all, see, I want to say, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a theologian. Like that's my degree is in theology. I teach theology. So, I have convictions about theology um, and you can read some of my other books and you will find my convictions and I, you know, critique and propose. In writing this book, I worked really hard to keep it um, theologically neutral beyond the claim of seeking to present the God of the center as the God revealed by Jesus and point to some ways in the Bible that we see that Jesus, in fact, displays a centered approach. Um, so, so, yeah, personally, for me, um, 
what she is describing does not, yeah, for me, a centered approach would challenge the um, the restriction that she is experiencing. Um, mm. And so, yes, for me. But when I was yeah. writing the book, and I would tell myself this repeatedly, you know, there are numerous churches out there that have different theological convictions than I do. And, and say on women in ministry, the church she's describing, that's different than my perspective. Um, yet still, I think like I am, I'm hoping that a church like that will become more centered with the convictions they have. So, for instance, on that particular, and then the first thing you thought, I, I thought of when you read that thing was I thought to, and I, I commend you on this, Mike, repeatedly over these podcasts, you have said, you know, it's it's not about getting rid of boundaries, it's boundedness. And that's a really important distinction. I, I don't know where I got well that. that. I don't know where I got that from. So, I immediately, <laughs> I immediately thought, okay, well, those men, as they doing that, how are they, if they say they're centered, mm. Are they doing this male-only leader thing in a way that makes women feel of lower status inferior? Um, Good. And if they are, then it's bounded. If they're not, then they are, they, and this is where I go to my thing. So I'm in favor of women being part of the elder team. That's me, Mark Baker. Yeah. But I would prefer that a church that doesn't believe that would seek to be centered in their male only way of defining leadership than bounded. Like that would be better for yeah. the women, not as good as what I would affirm, but I'd rather to be centered. Um, mm-hmm. What, what so, would that look like? I don't I know. That's... I mean, for me, it's hard to imagine. So yeah. I, yeah, I really honestly don't know because it, it feels so, and you could feel it in her note. She yeah, feels right. treated right. as second class. Mm-hmm. So it, it may not be possible. I don't know. But I, uh, yeah, to, to say that in in areas in which I am in disagreement with the church, I still hope that they will act to become more centered. And that's my main aim with this book rather than telling churches totally totally. here's mark baker's list of 12 you know convictions about what it is and you should do this i I think that mark i think that is a massive uh, and important point that even even when we're disagreeing over theology to, to hold those issues in a centered way versus a bounded way so i can imagine if I were giving advice perhaps to that community saying, well, well, okay, suppose that's your, that's your leadership and that's how you're going to define the God of the center. I would take issue with that. First of all, that is that a primary issue uh, and a central focus of the ministry of Jesus? Um, but then I would say, all right, so how do we engage people who are not, who do not share that theological conviction? Are we, are we open to dialogue? Are we open to honest and respectful pushback? Are we open to, right? That feels more centered to me than the simple, here's our statement uh, mm-hmm. on uh, men and leadership and we're done. Would that, yeah, and, would that jive with a more centered approach? 
Um, yeah, th- I mean, I think that jives with having discussion about it. But I think, but in that, in the context of that church, um, it doesn't sound like, yeah, I mean, she said that discussion's not happening. Totally. So then I think I would, I would ask them, okay, so let's recognize here, you know, this, this leadership structure has a lot of potential of being interpreted in a bounded way of Ooh, leading, leading the good. women to feel like they are second class. That's really, and good. in the centered way of Jesus, you know, we believe that Jesus was, you know, constantly about, um, you know, overturning that of, of, uh, diffusing status games. So what are you doing as you're practicing this male only elder model? What are things you are doing to, um, to diffuse what that is communicating about the position and value of women in the church. So I think that's a way that I would say rather um, than me challenging their position, which I could do if we're having that discussion, but say, okay, this is your position, but how are you doing it centered? That's maybe a kind of question I would ask. No, I think that's really good, man. Um, Tim, any, any thoughts before I move on? We got, we got, we got several Mark, thank you again for doing this. Uh, through all these conversations about unity and church, it seems to me that finding a church has gotten so complicated. <laughs> How did the early church pursue this endeavor? It seemed much more simple, considering the complexities of each denomination, even the geographical location in which you live determines the kind of churches you will find in that location. Um, <laughs> it's a harsh reality. I'm living since uh, my first move of my life was from Portland to Idaho. Coming from a highly progressive church and its, a ch- and its church landscape and moving to one of the most conservative cities in the U.S., I find myself isolated and lost. Is church just a club that promotes what the culture of that city is? Is church a place where you belong as long as you agree on a set of rules that the denomination has set up for you? As you have this conversation about unity in the church, I find myself more and more aware of the fact that this does not exist. I'm also finding myself looking for a church that I had like in Portland because that's what felt safe to me. If I'm looking for something that just agrees with my ideals, aren't I just finding, uh, trying to find a club of people just like me, creating more lines and division? At the same time, I feel isolated, unable to be vulnerable in a place that thinks and believes so differently. Where do I go? How do I do this? <laughs> Wow. I know, right? I mean, these are amazing, amazing and very thoughtful applications of all the theory. Gee. Well, if you're in Boise, um, you know, my daughter just moved there and is pastoring a church. And I could tell you three or four people in Boise, Idaho, that are reading this book. Um, uh, But I'm not sure if you're in Boise. Um, I couldn't. Uh, I don't think I could name another city. Yeah, <laughs> there are other cities in Idaho. So, oh, sure. Um, so, so how yeah, do you pick really, a church in a centered way? So, okay. So, I I don't know. I mean that that. <laughs> so I was. I'm I'm in a weekly Bible study with um, this, and we we happen to be yeah someone in the Bible study say Mark, why don't we watch your videos? So we're 
we're doing my centered set videos right now, the Bible study. And this morning, someone was asking a question. And, and again, yeah, this is not me. This is someone else in the group said this. So I'm again, borrowing from learning from others, but, but he said it so clearly. He said, you know, as we're looking at a church, we're evaluating two different things. And this brings together different questions here. He said, so one thing he said, yeah, I want to be looking for a church that's centered, but but I also am looking for a church that lines up, you know, theologically, ethically with me. And those are two different, those are two different things. So I, I think um, it, those are two different things to look for. Um, and yeah, how you find that, I don't know. That's, um, I guess that's the next book or a little pamphlet of how to find this. Yeah, I don't know. The I, I will say one thing about the early church. Um, I'll do a little book plug here. Um, yeah, I love it when scholars, you know, write stories and try to make things more accessible. So um, uh, Bruce Longenecker, New Testament scholar, wrote a book called The Lost Letters of Pergamon. Totally. And, love it. you know, it's it's a story. And one of the things I love about that book is he has he has two churches in the city, and one of them are you know they're they're pretty heretical they're off track and it, it left me with this sense of oh you know this this idea of the pristine first century church that we've you know since lost it like it never existed like here it was already in yeah. um, in the first century and there were already. Yeah, divergent views of what it meant and how they were following Jesus and how they were reading their Bibles. So, yeah, it's tough, but I'm not sure that it's any tougher today. Or, I mean, just take Galatians. What's going on there? There's this huge battle between a bounded approach and us and Paul going with a centered approach. Like mm-hmm. this, this is this is not just our time. It's been with yeah, us yeah. from the beginning. So, yeah, sorry, I don't I don't have a lot on that question. No, I think I. I... First of all, what you said, I couldn't agree with more. I wonder if um, when people ask about finding churches, and and I thought the question of, well, I don't want to just be with people who already agree, but I also want to feel safe um, to be with some people that agree. Uh, I find that to be uh, expressive of a lot of the questions we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to be part of a cult. But we also don't know how to unify with people who are playing soccer so differently. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, part of part of maybe some thoughts would be along the lines of you've got to define your center, right? It, what's and 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 do the work in the gospels of saying, okay, well, who is this Jesus? And are there dynamics at play in the church that represent, you know, whether it's kindness, hospitality. Um, that go beyond just verbal affirmation of centered set, but actually are in play. Um, how people hold power, what's done with that power, how money's treated. I mean, all of those things would be super important. Um, so I, I would try to sniff out centered set churches, even if I didn't agree with everything they said. Yeah. I think the approach is right. more important than the particulars. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I was... Agreeing with you as you're speaking in the sense of, and that, that safety sense, um, if we're doing centered church well, it will be safer, even if there's disagreement. That's um, the key. Absolutely. And, 
Um, yeah. And I guess, so, and one comment is too, okay, I'm in this new city. What do I do? That's yeah. Well go discern. Another thing is I'm in a church. What do I do? Um, yeah, I don't feel safe for this. And then I say, um, yeah, well use these tools. Um, invite people to listen to this podcast. Um, you know, read my book and give it to a leader in your church and say, I'm excited. Could we talk about this? Invite your small group to watch these videos. I mean, to start discussion with people in your, within your church, within your community um, is, is something we can all do. Like this is it, that is possible. Um, And I mean, I've had, you know, former students do that, that they have begun conversations like this in their churches. Um, and it hasn't always worked, but sometimes it has led to, um, yeah, change yep. of character. So awesome. Timothy Stafford. This is always the hardest question. And I feel like it, it yeah. gets asked often and it's always a difficult one, especially when every church setting and every person asking the question is different. I like the idea of engaging in conversation that my students are just got done writing a Rogerian essay. I don't know if you guys know who Carl Rogers is, but he has this, the kids have to pick a topic that they write on where there's two very distinct sides to it that disagree with each other. And you have to give time to both without bias, let both sides of the argument wow. sit and explain it and then kind of pause it, which one you think is more beneficial for society and you see i keep telling the kids it's like if you go home for thanksgiving and you and your dad disagree on everything and you come in you're like dad you're an idiot i can't believe you think these things his response is likely to be to secede and, and pull back or get mad at you and, and nothing will he'll never hear you but if you engage him in conversation and then you know allow say hey dad i hear what you're saying i think these three points are kind of interesting um here's what i think he's more likely to hear you and I think so sitting in that church setting and offering a book and, and offering a coffee conversation, mm-hmm. I think within a lot of the stuff we're, we're still kind of angry. And so a lot of the responses have been to like confront a church that is uh, being difficult, but engaging in conversation, I think is an interesting, uh, it's just, man, you just, I don't know. I think what you said, go and discern <laughs> everything always seems to come down to the key of discernment and. <laughs> it would just be easier if we could label everything, right? Um, and, and you know, and on that point, to say um, uh, this is, yeah, I, I get often get questions on these topics, but I rarely get, you know, people calling me a heretic or something. Like it, this is not deeply upsetting to most people and i very intentionally start the book with stories because the thing is you know even if someone's bounded and a leader in a bounded setting i i there's a part of them that 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 connects with they're bearing this weight and shame and just sort of to point to an alternative you know they're, they're not bounded because they're trying to to shame people and make things so bad, they're they're bounded because they care about truth or ethics. And this is the way they know to take that seriously. So to introduce them through story rather than saying you're bounded and that's bad, I I 
I find um, receptivity. Yeah. Well, and so we've got a set of questions about church history and how how some of this has played out. Um, he says, uh, how do church events throughout church history lend themselves to your conversation on unity? Here are a few places my mind wanders to. Early apostolic fathers and church theologians wrote against Gnosticism. Is it uh, Doeticism? Um, the dual natures. Uh, is this a boundary or something else? What about church councils like Nicaea and Ephesus, etc.? established what teachings were orthodox and created creeds aside from the political aspects of the meetings is this a boundary or something else augustine of hippo thomas aquinas john wycliffe and so many others were influential in their writings and actions do you think they were center focused all sorts of liturgical practices have come and gone with time and denomination where does liturgy fall in the centeredness versus boundary stuff wow right that is I'd love a very, to take a crack at that last one. Very thoughtful question. Um, and yeah, maybe this is, um, yeah, let, where should I start? I, I'll go with, yeah, with liturgy. So I think, um, as in many things in a church, uh, yeah, so churches that are you know, more high church liturgical, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of scripture in there. I mean, and it's, there's a lot of good indicative language about who God is. I mean, there's a lot of centeredness built into that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I'm sure as listeners, it can be done in a very, it can be experienced in a very bounded way. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't think uh liturgy um is the problem you know mass is not the problem or you know a high liturgical first it's it's but but how it is treated how it's um mm -hmm. presented and um yeah i mean i just i, I recently i was in a um as a Catholic church and the priest at the beginning, before it all started, he just, you know, with passion said, I'm so glad you're here today, you know, and God desires to encounter you today. And, and God is so good. And it's just, it was, you know, I just felt like these waves of grace and God's love and it, it was beautiful. And so, if you're putting it, you know, in that kind of wrapper, that helps a lot. On the other hand, you know, one time I was at a, um, yeah, a, a baptism in, in Honduras. I, I lived in Honduras for 10 years. And um, so went with a friend, Catholic church. And, you know, the deacon was just scolding the people, you know, like, oh, here are all you're here today because it's baptism. But where are you usually? And you're only here. This, and just. I mean, it, and just the exact opposite, you know, just dripping with, well, you know, this is a Catholic church, like the same thing happens in both, right? I mean, the, 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 the mass is the same thing, but how is it framed? Um, so that's one thing on liturgy. Um, and yeah, I really, I don't, I think, um, I do not know enough to evaluate the, you know, actual people meeting in Nicaea, whether they're bounded centered um and probably there were some of you know some centered and some bounded but what i can say is um 
the creeds have clearly been used in bounded ways, mm-hmm. um, but they don't have to be. Um, right. They can either be clarifications of the center or they can be bounded, right? Yeah. It, it's, it so depends on who's using them and, and why they're being used the way they are, it yeah. seems like. Yes. Um, which raises another question. Um, I would find it interesting to have a conversation about churches that could be masking themselves as center churches, but are really instead bounded churches. And you've already hinted at this. Is it possible that there is a situation where a church talks a lot about being centered and has good intentions of giving grace and inclusion, but still holds onto those old bounded lines out of fear? That there is an understanding, even a longing to live out centered life, but not to have the courage to actually step out of the lines and step into Christ. Is it possible as you move to a centered set, you could isolate from the world because you were trying to uh, alleviate yourself or remove yourself from the friction that it creates? So, so the first question is, is it possible to have a church that says it's centered, but it's not even at sure. all? Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, actually, I, I, hey, I hope that becomes more of a problem. I mean, just in the sense that there would be more people trying to be centered that they would be talking about it. Like right. my, my initial reaction is, yeah, that's possible. I don't think we're there yet because there, <laughs> this is not right. that well-known popular of a thing that there's that many people saying they're centered. But um but yes, it's definitely possible. And here's a, a, a point that, yeah, important for me to get in somewhere here at this time, um, that I say whenever I'm teaching, I think I say it in the book somewhere, is, is I'm a teacher and I'm working with these categories and I'm gonna work as hard as I can, you know, in the book and the videos of my teaching to clearly communicate the concept of centered church the concept of bounded church and the concept of fuzzy church. So that's me as a teacher. Now, if, if we talk about real flesh and blood churches, I am much less about sort of, yeah, pulling out my scorecard and evaluate, okay, yeah, this is centered. This is, and w- rather what I say is, you know, I don't think there are pure centered churches. I think, I think there's, there's churches that are a mix of centered and bounded, a mix of centered and fuzzy. Um, so I, so my line when I, you know, when I give workshops on this, I do all the explanation. And then when we get to the time, I said, I don't want you to leave here today saying, Oh, phew, we're centered. We're okay. Or say, Oh, we're bounded. We're screwed or, you know, whatever it's the question is how can we become more centered? And I think that's something we can always be working at. But yes, to the question, I think a church um, could very easily say, yeah, we're centered and still have a lot of bounded things, or or I think even more likely a lot of fuzzy things. Um, Yeah. And do you think the reason some people stick with with boundedness is out of fear? I think that was the second part of his question of the friction that that's going to create with people. Um. Boy, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I friction with the world. Yeah, I'm I not sure. Means, but, I think he means in the church. Oh, in the church, sure, sure. Um, and bounded is, 
as as you said, I mean, it's easier. You know, it's centered right. is messier. It takes more work. Um, and yeah, it, it, fear, insecurity. Um, but it, the security in Jesus is of a better quality than the security abounded. So mm-hmm. yeah, they can stick to it for that feeling, but there's something yeah. better. Good. I've got two more for you. Are you hanging in there on time? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Tim, you okay? I feel like I feel All day, like you're, day. you're talking too much, but okay. I'm listening. Um, <laughs> all right, this one this one's a little long, but you'll kind of get the gist of it quickly. I appreciate the unified series. Uh, my wife and I have been thinking through what church is and isn't. What our church culture, uh, what our church future will look like, and particularly what Scripture tells us about church and the essentials of the Christian life. So we're asking about the center. There are some scriptural essentials that seem uh, to be needed to be present for a church and a believer. Example: John fourteen six. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive. So is man is sinful and separated from God. Jesus died for our sins. We are to believe, repent, and follow grace, etc. That message seems critical. Definitely centered, but could it also possibly be a boundary? Matthew 25, um, the sheep and goats, seems to be a particularly bright boundary between Christ followers and others, defined not by using Jesus' name, but rather how we love and care for people in need. I'm sure there are more scriptural quote essentials, but the pairing of one, believe in Jesus as the only savior and answer for our sinful condition, and two, love and care for people in the church and outside the church goes a long way towards defining what the church should look like. So far, I would say, uh, that there's no possibility of exhausting these two points in this life, and we would agree with that. I'm sure there are other valuable distinctives, but this pair seems to distill a lot of scripture into something easy to understand. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on this. So I think I missed the question. So I, I'm reading this as, um, as, as a couple who are processing, hey, what does scripture say are the essentials? Mm, yeah. One of them here's in John 14 says, you know, Jesus is the only mm-hmm. way. And another one in Matthew 25 seems to say how you treat the treat poor, others. the marginalized, the prisoners. And those are pretty two bright boundaries, but could also mm-hmm. serve as clarifications of center. Yeah. Um, and they exhaust seemingly every other piece you could put in the center. Really, it's it's a love God, love neighbor sort right. of thing. What are our thoughts on that? Is how I read that question. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I have a full. I could start talking, but I think your thoughts may be as good as mine. Um, I, you know, I. I think, Are you saying they're not normally, Mark? Is that was that the implication of that sentence? Um, that's how I. That's how I'm hearing that. No, so not at all. I. Um, yeah, take it. And sorry about my phone. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to turn that off. Hold um, on. Is that a landline? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm in my office. And for the still kids, have. for the kids at home, 
phones used to be attached to cables that ran through walls and out to poles. And those are the sounds those phones kind of make. We call them landlines. They don't really exist much unless you're in offices in seminaries. Right. So <laughs> my cell phone is turned off. I don't know how to turn that thing off. Um, no, I was thinking, yeah. So on one hand, I, I, I appreciate and value what they're doing. I mean, they're thinking carefully about, yeah. So when we get down to what's in the center and there's certainly, you know, good scriptural, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, working on a commentary on Galatians right now. And in chapter five, you know, Paul says, yeah, you know, so we're not, we're not getting rid of the law. It's, you know, loving others. That's what sums it up. And, um, right. But on the other hand, I, I want to say it's, it's okay for a church to have more than that in their center. Um, mm. For me, it's, it's the, the key thing. I mean, what you said, yeah, these things are boundaries they could easily be treated in a bounded way. Right. Yeah. This is what we believe. If you don't believe it, you're out. Or they can be treated in a centered way. So I guess I've put more energy into thinking about the how we handle whatever we have in our center than what, yeah, what, yeah, four, five, six, 10, or 15 things are there. Well, I think that's the, that's the thing that people have the hardest time with. How do you distinguish a boundary from boundedness? Because there are boundaries still mm -hmm. in a centered approach. Uh, and they can be used either in a centered way or a bounded way. So when we have creeds, which was a great example, right? Here are Here's an attempt to clarify the center. Um, and for some churches, that does, is a boundary. You have to affirm that to belong. Mm -hmm. um, but they can be used in bounded or centered ways, right? So, so it's the idea that it's an approach versus a um, a system of thought or a, a way of delineating between competing sets of doctrinal ideas. So let me. Um, this is from. Um, so there's a section in my book um, on membership, and um, yeah, and one of the things in the book too, I think at one point, you know, when I when before I started working on it, I sort of imagined I would have chapters that would be like, okay, what to do in this situation? Right. And here's the centered way. What to do in this situation? Here's the centered way. And when I started going out and interviewing practitioners, I very quickly realized, oh no, there there is not a centered <laughs> way to deal with any right. of these situations. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I have a story with intentionality. I thought I saw stories, examples of dealing with the same situation in different ways and then ask the question, okay, what's the, what's the character you see in there? What do we learn from this about how to do things? Okay. So this, in the section on membership, I have examples from three churches, which I think are yeah, seeking to do membership in a centered way. And then I have some comments from some others. And so this is um, from a former student, Aaron Carlson, in a church that uh, he, he was pastor in before. And um, so, so they have statements of belief, but uh, he said, they, they, they said this, these are teaching positions of this fellowship. You don't have to be in complete agreement with them in order to be a member here. Mm -hmm. We recognize that we are all in process, but if these teaching statements are going to cause major friction for you, and are going to be constantly grading against you, if they're going to cause you to be constantly pushing back, then maybe this isn't a great fit. Um, 
And so you, you feel what he's 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 mm-hmm. he's working with. They have a statement of faith. And and so there it is. And it could be if you don't believe in this, you can't be a member. You can't be part of us. But he has this line, you know, hey, we're all in process. Um, and he, there's acceptance there that you may not actually agree with all of this yet, but we can work with you. Um, so I think that's an example of, yeah, you could have a creed or something like that, but work in a centered way. And then I immediately want to say, as Aaron himself said to me personally, like in the church he's currently pastoring, yeah, it's different. It's not this statement. So I'm not Mm -hmm. reading this as saying, okay, here it is, everybody. This is the way to do it. But this is an example, page 213 in the book. Um, So that's, yeah, again, uh, I think the the key is how we're working at it to be – not bounded in a judgmental status seeking in out we're better than you sense yeah last one fellas last I think those one are, those are good questions though i pulling the thread on i feel like that's what we've all been doing for the last few years is like mm. you know the only way through the to the father is through me that growing up was saying a prayer and then you're like cool like i'm good right like Mm-hmm. I did that. This was the entrance fee. I've paid that fee. I'm good to go now. <laughs> now that we've pulled the thread on that to understand more fully what it means that nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus, what is the full embodiment of what Jesus is offering and saying in that statement? Um, you know, we've seen a lot of that in the new creation. We've seen a lot of that in the Sermon on the Mount. What does the full scope of that really mean? Um, asking those questions is what opens up a much larger door. And I think that's a great, so those questions are wonderful questions to ask and to kind of pull that thread and see where they lead rather than just stopping at the question, which I think is where a lot of us lived forever. Yeah. That yeah. And, and to go I mean, to what your point is, Tim is rather than because of the sort of, you know, maybe narrow or very bounded way we had thought about it of, yeah, just pushing this aside because that's kind of uncomfortable rather let's, let's, dive into it even more deeply like because when when you were reading it mike i thought yeah let's that includes being centered right Mm -hmm. um so jesus is the way well that doesn't just mean the way of punching your ticket that means the way of being a community seeking to follow follow, to be believers of god so there's yeah let jesus is the way let's take that really seriously yeah that's good well, this one, this one is fitting for the end because it's asking, why don't we just blow the whole thing up, Boom. metaphorically. As the series progressed, I grew more and more sad for the institutions of the church. The more I learn about history, the more I can see the motives of how and why systems were formed. Many of the institutions we rail against, and rightfully so today, would qualify as bounded or fuzzy. They started out attempting to clarify the center for the benefit of a large group for a long period of time. They were trying to control future situations that they could not predict. The problem is that we are human, and the things that lead systems to destruction are most often built into the systems unintentionally from the beginning. That's interesting. Things change over time to become the very things they were trying to correct or protect against, like a stained glass window with a tiny crack built in. Over time, as seasons change, the crack grows and grows until the light ceases to pass through. Here comes the question. Beautiful metaphor. Beautiful metaphor. We have the most poetic audience in the history of the world. (laughs) Anyway, that was depressing, but never fear. I have a solution that will will never work. 
let things die. We as humans constantly seek to make things that last. The only things that should be made to last are buildings. All systems made by humanity <laughs> need to be refreshed from time to time. Even the ones that have stood the test of time have changed as time passes. Anything that becomes too rigid will eventually topple. What if the thing we attempted to pass on to those who follow is a centered mindset, not a system? Would gathering together with other believers still matter? Yes, of course, but the purpose would change. What if the leaders of large ministries let them evaporate when they leave? The possibilities are endless. What if we focused all our energy on being in relationship with God and others and our time and allowed the same dignity to those who come after us? So the idea is, is why do we care so much about legacies and institutions that supposedly pass this on? Why not just pass on mindsets? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. And there's a lot in there that at various points in his life, Mark Baker would have yeah, said <laughs> the same. Um, I, um, yeah, for whatever combination, you know, of reasons and experiences, Maybe I could back up. So, you know, where did this start for me? It really wasn't with um, Paul Hebert. So it was uh, Jacques Ellul. And so hearing a lecture mm. by a, a man that became a mentor of mine, Doug Frank. And so he, he, I was at a study program. He gave a lecture about the contrast between what he called religion and faith using Ellul and Peter Berger. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, through Alul's thought showing how we humans build these security systems of religion. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a strong, clear message. Uh, and it was just shining a light on what I had been doing in, 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 you know, in line with what was just read of building up these systems. And, and I recognize it. yeah, I have been doing this religious security thing. Um, and so, but at the end of the lecture, yeah, I asked the question, okay, but then how about the church? How do we do church in a non-religious way? Um, and, and that just captivated me. I thought, okay, I agree with Alul. This is, I see this is happening, but so then how do we try to do church in a non-religious way? And I ended up, you know, doing my doctoral dissertation on that and working on it, mm. um, and then I read Paul Hebert after I'd finished all that and published my first book and realized, oh, like Hebert has much better language for talking about this than I did. Mm -hmm. But but for me and my location, yeah, I I'm, I'm a missionary. I mean, I was literally a missionary in another country, but I still feel like I'm a missionary to church people. And so I'm I I want to work with churches who are seeking to become more centered and you know less toxic etc mm -hmm. but to what that person wrote i i have i don't have an argument against it like that yeah. sounds like a very healthy thing and especially <laughs> the point of you know why aren't we why aren't we emphasizing this character this approach i i would concur in, in the long run that's that's much more important than trying to um help an institution or a system survive. Um, so I, yeah, it's a beautiful note. And yet, and I also feel like 
but I don't want to give up on the thousands and thousands of people that are in institutional churches. And I think those can be a lot better places to be. I, I have hope for what can happen there. Awesome. What a great one to end on. Mark, I tell you what, man, thank you. Great to meet you. Thanks for your time um, and waiting through all of this. We're super grateful. Remind everybody where they can find you online. Thank you. So centeredsetchurch.com has um, information about the book and where to get it and also these five videos. Um, and um, please, yeah, I let's you know spread the word about this. Uh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, five years we're talking again and the problem of the day is there's so many churches saying they're centered when they're really not like that. That would be a good problem to be able to work with. I, I don't think we're there yet, but um, yeah. let's get more people talking about this and um, yeah, spreading it. So thank you to uh, Tim and Mike for engaging this and spreading the word and for giving me this chance to share some ideas today and thanks to the people for their questions great thoughtful oh my questions goodness, i know right well we're grateful for you my friend um so uh sweet voxology community thank you for this uh this incredibly thoughtful series of questions we're so grateful for you and we encourage you to check out more of mark's work Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.